Good morning. Welcome, Artisan Church. We are so glad to be gathered together. Um, wherever you are, you are welcome here. Why don't we take a, a moment and just have a breath together? Yeah, we are grateful to be with you this morning and to be um, leading in worship. As we get started, why don't we say the opening prayer together? God with us, your empathy did not cease in your incarnation as you left the status of king to become a common citizen, but it was also marked by healing, rebuking, and ended in incomprehensible sacrifice. We have traded the fierceness of your empathy for sentimental whims of sadness. Restore this in us. Grant us an empathy that might begin with tears, but is also enmeshed with an unrelenting proximity to the hurting and the resolute doing of justice and mercy, even that justice that means loss of comfort and status for us. And let empathy lay her head down each night on hope itself, rising with the knowledge that restoration is coming. We are the hands and feet of a promise. Amen. Feel free to stand or sit or continue to lie in your bed with a coffee, however you want to worship with us. Victory one. 
And please join me as we read the Collect together. O oh God, the strength of all who put their trust in you, mercifully accept our prayers, and because in our weakness we can do nothing good without you, give us the help of your grace that in keeping your commandments we may please you both in will and deed through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our first reading will be from Psalm 50, verses 1 to 6. The Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to where it sets. From Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and will not be silent. A fire devours before Him, and around Him a tempest rages. He summons the heavens above and the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me this consecrated people who made a covenant with me by sacrifice and the heavens proclaim his righteousness for he is a God of justice. And the second reading is Mark 9, 2 to 9. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them, up high, led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. Then he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up on three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Hello, everyone. I'm Scott, one of the pastors with Artisan. Great to be with you in this way. And uh, kids, apologies. You were expecting Jesse and Terry, and they're not here. They're actually on a little vacation. So they've got the night off, and we decided to give it to them. They've been working really hard. But Jesse asked me to give you a blessing, so I think it would go something like this. <laughs> Bless you, kids. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit. So uh, that's from Jesse, and uh, we, uh, we miss Jesse. Um, big news, though, this is our last time in this space. So, um, yeah, just kind of been soaking up uh, some memories and thinking about all the time we spent here at SOMA. Our offices are here. I thought it would be fun to do a little tour. So 
Craig, why don't you come with me? We're going to just walk around here. We, I, we don't normally do this, but we're going to bring, uh, bring you back here, Greg. And uh, I just thought it would be fun to reminisce a little bit. Like, for instance, I remember installing these light bulbs and getting electrocuted when we first moved in. So that happened. Um, this office here, you can see all the boxes we're packing up. Um, and also used to be uh, Lance's old office. So miss that guy. And if you don't know who Lance is, don't worry, not important. And uh, back here we got, uh, what else, my office, we've got, oh yeah, lots going on here. We've got the copier room, and uh, this is where we uh, have the paper. <laughs> That's it from there. Um, all the magic, though, really happens here. The administrative desk, and our uh, pastor of children and uh, family formation, Terry, back there. So, yeah. You can see all the mess in the boxes. I do have a distinct memory of this location right here. When we were doing a painting day, um, Mike DeBoer, Peter Legrand, and I remembering or realizing that we were all participants in the Vancouver 2010 Olympics. I was a volunteer, Mike was in a business booth, and Peter was outside protesting. So we were all there for different reasons. And for some reason, we just all hugged right here in this place. And we started jumping and being like, yeah, I don't know why, but it was a really fun moment. So good job, Greg. Come back here with me. <sighs> well, I hope that was informative and helpful. Um, and uh, yeah, it's kind, of, uh, it's kind of bittersweet. We're moving to a great space on the downtown east side, just steps away from the Japanese hall. Excited to uh, be back in our recordings there uh, in a couple of weeks. So uh, for the next few weeks, we're going to do mega zooms to give us some space to uh, to move, and then we'll be. Oh, I'm out of breath. <laughs> Woo! I'm running around there. Uh, but it also has been a busy month, and just want to name that that we are still in this pandemic. We're moving. That's a big deal, at least for the staff. Um, we've just introduced the milestone statement regarding LGBTQ plus inclusion and what it mean, means to live into that third way. So no big deal, just a bunch of little things there. Um, but also there's another big thing that's happening this month. It is Black History Month. And uh, in honor of Black History Month, I'm drawing from, uh, for this uh, sermon, um, the African Bible commentary, as well as black liberation theologian, James Cone, pictured here. So there's a popular song in our house right now that we sing often, and it's by a good friend of mine. Uh, her name is Alicia Keys. She doesn't know that we're friends, but I know her. Um, she doesn't know me. Uh, but she sings this song called Underdog. Have you heard it? Yeah, it's awesome. In an interview, uh, when she was asked about the song, she said, some people may think of the word underdog as a negative word, but I see it as a powerful word, representing people who may be underestimated and yet still rise to the challenge and exceed expectations. In the verses, it's a really cool song, but in the verses she names the following groups of people, those who are nameless, homeless, single mothers waiting on a check to come, frontline workers, refugees, and the chorus, this goes out to the underdog, Keep on keeping on what you love. You'll find that someday soon enough. We're going to rise up 
Rise up, yeah. So you really have to, <laughs> you really have to listen to the song. But uh, soft title of this sermon is "This Goes Out to the Underdog," and it comes from Psalm one forty six, which is really the biblical equivalent of underdog. Verse seven: He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. Verse nine: The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. So from this psalm, God seems to favor, even prefer, those who are on the margins of society, the last, the least, the lonely, the underdogs of society. One author put it this way, when we look to the psalms, which functioned as Jesus' prayer book and have functioned for 2,000 years as the church official hymn book, teaching Christians how to talk to God and hear from God, we discover that there is no true worship, faithful prayer, or genuine faith that neglects justice. Strong words. No true account of God makes justice an afterthought to his redemptive work in the world. And this type of justice talk is all over the Psalms. I love it. And recently I've been reading it with eyes to see this more. Verse, uh, chapter 89, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Chapter 39, for the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his faithful ones. Chapter 7, May he judge your people with righteousness, your poor with justice. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. Amen. The same author asks this question, who are the recipients of justice? All people alike, he says, require justice. But those who need it most, according to the Psalms, are what philosopher Nicholas, I'm going to get this wrong, Walter Storff, Nicholas Walter Storff, never heard of him, he calls the quartet of the vulnerable, widows, orphans, poor, and resident aliens. In Israel, these four groups represented the most vulnerable members of society. And in Psalm 103, it offers a blanket term for this quartet. It's the oppressed. For them, the Lord works justice day and night. So question, who is our quartet of the vulnerable today? Who are the oppressed in our society? Um, certainly a similar list would form widows, orphans, poor, resident aliens. I think it also depends on the context that we're talking about. So if we're talking about the justice system, there seems to be a disadvantage for those who are indigenous peoples. There's overrepresentation in the prisons, um, often police targeting sex workers, addicts, black and indigenous people of color. If we're talking about COVID, the people who are vulnerable, uh, senior citizens or those who are uh, immunocompromised also low-income workers, essential services, front lines. Um, what if we go a little deeper? What if we talk about the church? Who are the oppressed or who have been oppressed in the church? 
Typically, the vulnerable and oppressed have been LGBTQ plus people, women, divorcees. And then we come to Psalm 146. And it's interesting, it is called a hallelujah psalm. So I know it doesn't feel very hallelujah-y. Hallelujah is just another way of saying praise the Lord. So when talking about social injustice, why would we say praise the Lord? So a little background on Psalm 146, and then we'll get a little bit more into some practical ways we can pray and serve. Um, So there's five books in the Psalms, and each of these books, there's groupings of chapters in all 150 chapters. At each end of every book, there's a doxology, which means a part where there's a praise the Lord, and it starts with that. At the very end of the whole entire collection of Psalms, there's five chapters in a row that start with the words, hallelujah, praise the Lord. So Psalm 146 is the beginning of those That sort of grand finale, if you were at a fireworks show, it would be like, boom, 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 praise the Lord. And then Psalm 150 says, praise the Lord, 13 times. Some people say one for every tribe and then one for all of humanity, 13 times. So Psalm 146, it starts off what is known as the Hallelujah Psalms. But it is interesting for a Hallelujah Psalm, it's not overly praisey or triumphant, as you might suspect. It's more like what Leonard Cohen described as a holy and a broken hallelujah. The first bit goes like this. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes in human beings who cannot save. Do you hear this? When their spirits departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, day, their plans come to nothing. There's a warning here right off the start. Don't put all of your hope, all of your trust in human leaders. And this psalm is a bit of a critique of leaders who use their power uh, against the character of God. Uh, So who do not use their leadership to bend toward grace and mercy and humility and love. It continues in verse 5. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob. The God of Jacob we talked about last week with Jobin. You remember from Jacob's well. Whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. The last half is awesome. There's this role reversal, and I've already read a bit of it, but God is not just a God that favors or his agenda is to push forward the rich and the well to get further ahead. Instead, he favors, and the list goes from verse 7 on, the oppressed, the hungry, prisoners, blind, those who are bowed down, the righteous, foreigners, fatherless, widow. This is who God favors and blesses. So as I was studying and preparing for tonight, there was an obvious question that came to mind, and maybe you've had it. If God favors the oppressed and vulnerable, why are there still so many oppressed, hungry, poor, imprisoned, sick, abused, looked over, forgotten in this world? And 
I mean, I don't have all the answers, but I would say two things. First is that to those who you see yourself as a bit of an underdog, maybe you've experienced systematic or personal oppression. Maybe you deal with, on a daily basis, the struggle of just getting enough of the basic provision to live this life well, uh, or you feel looked over, forgotten. I want to say to you, there's nothing wrong with you and that God sees you, he is with you, and he's for you. Second, to those of us that call ourselves Christ followers, this is where Psalm 146, and I think the Gospels often ask us uh, to be the change we hope to see in the world. From the African Bible commentary, um, I want to read this section. The description of what God does in Psalm 146 is very similar to Jesus' description of his mission in Luke 4.18, although the exact passage he was quoting was Isaiah 61, verse 1. God's character does not change. He is still concerned for the oppressed, the hungry, prisoners, the disabled, and the discouraged. We should share his concern and work to relieve their suffering. It should not matter whether the sufferers are our countrymen or foreigners, aliens, members of our families or orphans and widows who have no families to turn to. God cares for them all, and so should we. I love that last line. God cares for them all, and so should we. Amen. And this is precisely why, as a church, we are committed to our mandate of joining God in the renewal of all things. The work of renewal is justice work. This is one of the reasons why the milestone statement was written. This is also why we as a leadership are committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion work. And, and most importantly, this is why we seek to keep at the center of our community the one who loved us so much that he sacrificed his life for us. Jesus as the true underdog. Or as James Cohn says, Jesus is the oppressed one whose work is that of liberating humanity from inhumanity. Through him, the oppressed are set free to be what they are. And if you want to read more on this, I couldn't recommend more James Cohn's book, A Black Theology of Liberation. So the question we want to ask ourselves every week in this series, in the Psalms, praying the Psalms, is how does this Psalm teach us to pray? How does Psalm 146 teach us to pray? Uh, and I want to suggest three things. Praise, pray, and act. And if someone has a better third word for act that starts with pra, that would be great. Praise, <laughs> pray, prepare. Or I, could, I couldn't figure it out, so it's just praise, pray, act. And uh, I know that's probably bad preacher points, but um, praise, pray, act. First, praise. Um, again, it's a holy and it's a broken hallelujah. Praise helps us to reorder our loyalty to the Lord and not in human leaders. Um, 
it's kind of weird to be saying that as a leader in the church, but I hope you don't put your trust and hope in me entirely that we are loyal to the Lord. Uh, pray is the second thing. So pray for the vulnerable and the oppressed. We have to. We have to keep them before us. We have to be aware of who they are in our city and our neighborhoods and pray for them. And in just a second here, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. It's uh, the Lord's Prayer for Justice. And I'll get there in a second, but we cannot just pray. And we know this and we talk about this. We're really good at talking about this. It's even ironic that I'm talking about this now. We're not doing it, um, but act. And uh, I love these words by Bonhoeffer. He says, our being Christians today will be limited to two things, prayer and righteous action among people. All Christian thinking, speaking, and organizing must be born anew out of this prayer and action. Ah, so what sort of meaningful, tangible action can you engage in? That's a question for you. What, what meaningful, tangible action can you engage in? What meaningful, tangible action are, are you already engaging in? Um, I think there's a lot of great stories in our community of people doing good, anti-racist work, donating their time and money, uh, providing emergency cold weather support, especially in this time. Side note, uh, I know the UGM is doing a fundraiser right now to raise money to support people that are affected by the cold weather. Also, Camp KT, if you follow at No Gentle on Instagram, they do a lot of, uh, they do a lot of uh, clothing and supplies drives, so you can follow them. But um, there's, ways to, there's ways to work. But I love, in, in context with that, with what we're doing and you know, asking the question, what tangible work can we do? I love what Carol Wade says. She says, our mission then is one of interdependence in which we strive to participate with one another in God's mission. The work is not ours alone, nor can it be accomplished by us alone, which is encouraging. And this, is, this kind of radical interdependence is a little bit contrary to our Western value of autonomy and independence. Um, and uh, I love this. I learned this, this African word this week. Um, it's called Ubuntu. Ubuntu. Maybe say it? Ubuntu. And I might be butchering the word, and I apologize. Um, we, this is Desmond Tutu's uh, words translated this way. He says, a person is a person through other persons. A person is a person through other persons. As persons uniquely created in the image of God, we are truly ourselves only in community, only in relationship to others. And that's the encouragement. We do this in community. We're not trying to figure out how to tally up points for ourselves, but we do it together. We praise together. We pray together and we act together. So I'm going to pause right here. We're going to do this Lord's Prayer for Justice by Ronald Rollheiser. And I'm actually going to step out of frame so that we can put the words on over the purple here and we can pray this together. So just take a moment to take a breath, to pause, and we're going to read these words, a Lord's Prayer for Justice. Join me. Our Father, who always stands with the weak, the powerless, the poor, the abandoned, 
the sick, the aged, the very young, the unborn, and those who, by victim of circumstance, beat the heat of the day, who art in heaven, where everything will be reversed, where the first will be last and the last will be first, but where all will be well and every manner of being will be well. Hallowed be thy name. May we always acknowledge your holiness, respecting that your ways are not our ways. Your standards are not our standards. May the reverence we give your name pull us out of the selfishness that prevents us from seeing the pain of our neighbor. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Open our freedom to let you in so that the complete mutuality that characterizes your life might flow through our veins and thus the life that we help generate may radiate your equal love for all and your special love for the poor. On earth as it is in heaven, may the work of our hands, the temples and structures we build in this world reflect the temple and the structure of your glory so that the joy, graciousness, tenderness, and justice of heaven will show forth within all our structures on earth. Give life and love to us and help us to always see everything as a gift. Help us to know that nothing comes to us by right and that we must give because we have been given to. Help us realize that we must give to the poor, not because they need it, but because our own health depends upon our giving to them. Us, the truly plural us. Give not just to our own, but to everyone. Include those who are very different than the narrow us. Give your gifts to all of us equally. This day, not tomorrow, do not let us push things off into some indefinite future so that we can continue to live justified lives in the face of injustice because we can make good excuses for our inactivity. Our daily bread, so that each person in the world may have enough food, enough clean water, enough clean air, adequate health care, and sufficient access to education so as to have the sustenance for a healthy life. Teach us to give from our sustenance and not just from our own surplus. And forgive us our sins. Forgive us our blindness toward our neighbor, our self-preoccupation, our racism, our incurable propensity to worry only about ourselves and our own. Forgive us our capacity to watch the evening news and do nothing about it. Do not put us to the test. Do not judge us only by whether we have fed the hungry, given clothing to the naked, visited the sick, or tried to mend the systems that victimize the poor. Spare us this test, for none of us can stand before your gospel scrutiny. Give us instead more days to mend our ways, our selfishness, and our systems. Deliver us from evil. That is from the blindness that let us continue to participate in anonymous systems within which we need not see who gets less as we get more. Amen. And uh, I'm going to put that prayer, we'll put a link to it in the description of this video so that you can pull it up. Um, you can print it out, post it in your shower, put it in your Bible, in your car, to pray it often. And uh, 
yeah, as we do this, uh, as we pray, as we praise, as we look to act or are acting, uh, we're going to come to the table. And this is a symbol of our praise, our true praise to God, our Father. And uh, it's our prayer. We come to the table in prayer and we come because of his action. So join uh, me in the table litany. If uh, you have it, uh, the words will be on the screen and then we'll respond. We're reminded when we come to the table that the gospel is the good news that God, our Father, the Creator, out of his great love for us, has come to rescue us from sin and death and to renew all things through the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. This is for God's great glory and our profound joy. Together, we acknowledge God as our Creator and give him thanks. We acknowledge our sinfulness in thought, word, and deed, the things we have done and left undone. We cannot save ourselves. We trust Christ to be our Savior and Redeemer, the one who lived for us, died for our sin, and rose again. We see our true identity and loyalty as disciples of Jesus, and we submit to his leading. We choose to seek first the kingdom of God rather than the systems of the world. We humble ourselves and seek to live lives of love and compassion, joining God in his work of renewal. We hear the announcement of the gospel and receive it as good news with repentance, faith, and joy. Creator God, be present through your life-giving word and Holy Spirit that we and your entire church may be called out and made whole through this meal. Grant that all who share the communion of the body and blood of your Son may be united in him. And may we remain faithful in love and hope until we feast together with Christ at the coming of the kingdom. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I want to invite us, if you do have bread, wine, juice, where you are to uh, participate with me, and we're going to respond in a few ways. We're going to praise, we're going to pray, we're going to sing, and we're going to also contemplate our actions. So uh, just a few more minutes here to reflect and to sing and to respond in that way. So come and eat the body of Christ given, the blood of Christ shed out of love for you. Amen.
Rebecca. I'm the administrator here at Artisan. Um, and as Scott mentioned, uh, Jessie could not be here with us today, but I, she did ask me to pass along a joke for you guys. So being that today, if you're watching on Sunday morning, is Valentine's Day, here's a joke. What kind of flowers should you not give on Valentine's Day? What kind? Cauliflowers. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> Scott doesn't get it. Um, Jesse will explain later. 
Okay, so this is the part in our gathering where each week we pause and have an opportunity to practice giving, like um, the prayer that Scott led us in at the end there, referred to so beautifully. Um, so if you call Artisan Home and you are able and plan to give to our ministries here today, there are a few ways you can do that listed on the screen by a text or a few ways through our website artisanchurch.ca. Let us, as we do each week, speak the generosity litany together. There is nothing we have that we have not received. All we have and are belong to God through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. To spend everything on ourselves and to give without sacrifice is the way of the world that is contrary to our Father's intent. But generosity is the way of those who call Christ their Lord. We are determined to be generous because our Father is generous. We delight to give freely out of that which God has given to us. Amen. All right. Quick reminder of a few things coming up in the next couple of weeks here in the life of our community. Um, first of all, a reminder again that if you are watching this live on Sunday morning, there will be a Zoom prayer room opening up right after the gathering from 11.30 to 12 for you to share with some others, commune, and pray together. And uh, today's will be led by Danny. You can find the link to the Zoom room below in the description of this video. Tomorrow night is our um, twice a month prayer hour. Uh, from 7.30 to 8.30, and the link to that is also in the Community Life email. Um, this coming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, which marks the beginning of the season of Lent. So to mark that, Nelson will be leading uh, 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 an afternoon meditation, um, an Ash Wednesday meditation on Instagram Live, uh, Wednesday from 4 till 4.30, Ashes optional. Um, and then on Sunday, February 21st, from 7.30 to 8.30, Scott and Nelson will be leading an intro to artisans. So if you are new-ish to our community, if you've joined within this last wild year, um, join uh, by RSVPing to Scott, the link to which is in the Community Life email. Otherwise, it's just scott at artisanchurch.ca. All right, we are going to move back over to Scott for the doxology. Yes, we're going to move back over here. Thank you, Rebecca. <laughs> oh, it's so good to be uh, with you in this way again. And uh, I guess a sign-off from Soma and the space and uh, just so much gratitude to God for what he's done in our community through this space. I was telling Rebecca earlier, I've cried here, I've laughed uncontrollably here, I've been given too, I've received and I've given too, and uh, yeah, it just feels like a special place. If you never got to see it, well, all the more reason to come and check out the new space. Um, we will keep you posted, and the next home liturgy will be at that space in three weeks' time. So, we are going to end with praise. 
And uh, as we do every week when we gather, we sing the doxology. So wherever you're at, would you stand with me and sing the words of the doxology? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God, all creatures here below. Praise God above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. And wherever you are, whoever you are, receive this benediction. May the Lord, out of his great riches, bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Mm -hmm.